Warning, the following podcast may contain potential plot spoilers, but then again, it may not at all. Hello and welcome to Potential Spoilers. I'm Kieran and I'm joined by Maddie D. Hey, hey, Kieran. The billionaire family has the worst security system in the entire Gotham City area. They just have one butler. One butler. And if you didn't in charge of security. That, <laughs> what? In charge of security. Yeah, it's just him. And they don't even have any cameras or one, anything yeah, like that. It's, it's all him. It's literally, if someone comes to harass any one of the family members, he physically has to go up and shoo them away. I can only assume he's just running along the perimeter in case <laughs> anyone breaks in. He's lapping around the fence line. But, Kieran, if you didn't want to know that, then you shouldn't be listening to the show because oh, no. that's life, that's life, and it's also a spoiler. Well done. And that's what we do on this show, kind of. And that's a spoiler for the movie that we're here to revisit this week, Joker. All right, so typically what we do on this show is we look at all the promotional material for an upcoming Hollywood blockbuster, then we break it down and go away and come up with as much of the plot as humanly possible. We'll each do it individually, so we've got a different sort of perspective on the same movie. Source material. And then, quite like in today's episode, we come back and we revisit everything that we looked at before and compare how close we got to the actual movie. And this was a movie we did all the way back in 2019. That's right. Something we were very excited about. We've been itching yes. to talk about it ever since. Yes. So it's going to be a nice debrief. The I day think. is finally here. Oh, it's the like Christmas. Day. Christmas has come early. I remember we were always really excited to talk about this movie initially because we thought there was going to be a scene in the movie where the Joker gets kicked <laughs> in the nuts. Does that happen in the movie? I no. suppose if you haven't seen it, well, why are you listening to this show? So if you don't want the Joker spoiled for you and you know, if you haven't seen the Joker yet and you want to, go and watch that movie before you listen to this podcast. Also, if you haven't listened to our original Joker plot prediction episode, which we did way back, as you said, in 2019, go back and listen to that first as well. Use your thumbs to scroll up or yeah, scroll that's down. Right. Depending on what you're using. <laughs> yeah, to get that episode. So as long as you're all filled in with everything, the plot of the Joker, as well as what we thought was going to happen in the movie, you're all set. You're all set to listen to this episode. Yeah, you guys need to know about all the funny things we say and all the intelligent things we say. That's right. Which there will be more of today. Yeah, I hope so. Hopefully. Fingers crossed anyway. So. Well, we'll share see, I think. How did you feel overall about your plot for this movie? I knew going into this that I was not going to get it at all. And I was happy with that because I knew that... Well, if it was the movie that I wanted, I didn't want to be right about it. That's right. That's right. We said the same thing about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We didn't want to predict that movie start to finish. So we weren't really concerned if we got close to the actual plot at all. And I'm excited that I didn't. But yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't expect to get close to it. I didn't expect to get it. But I actually liked the plot I made. So yeah, I had me too. Fun, I had fun on that level, but I always kind of knew I'd be very, very surprised if it's what the movie was going to be. Yeah. Well, I was actually surprised on how, well, it was a bit of a double-hander, how, first of all, how well we did overall. <laughs> we'll break it down, obviously. And as well as how bad we did at the same time. It was like a, a beautiful train wreck. It was like <laughs> It was like half really good, half really bad. Some more good than bad and some more bad than good. This episode, Listening back to these plots for this episode. Yeah, yeah. This episode, more than any other episode, I feel, really shows what our influences are. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Did you notice that? Yes, yes. And obviously one of your big influences was the killing joke because mm. I've since read it. I hadn't read it when we did that first episode, but I've since read it and I was shocked at how much your plot was directly lifted from well, the killing joke. Even though you did cite it as a source yeah, several times. Um, it is the origin story of the Joker and I feel like that's fair. If you're going to base an origin story, you've got to base it on the biggest Joker origin story there I is. I don't think it's an official origin story though. I think it's just an origin story because mm. he seems to have a lot of different origin stories yeah. throughout the, the history yeah, of the but Batman it's a very, franchise. It's a very popular comic. Yes, yeah, um, it is. Especially probably, with him being a comedian that was something that was started in The Killing Joke. Isn't it like the most influential, one of the most influential Batman comics out there? Yeah, it is. Because yeah. I think Tim Burton was inspired by it for the 1989 Batman, he, he said, was. as well as Christopher Nolan was inspired by it yeah. when he did his Dark Knight Rises movie and as well, obviously, Todd Phillips said he was going to lean in a little on the plot as well. Yeah, even he said that. But he said, I didn't want to do anything exactly from the comic I just wanted to be inspired from it and I guess that really does show in the movie we can discuss it more as we go into it where we essentially in your plot we compare what happened in the, the killing joke version versus well I didn't base it all Todd on the Phillips killing version. joke no like, yeah it's, it's you said loose. you wanted to be a little bit different from the actual comic which I guess kind of worked for you maybe it didn't quite work for you we'll really get into it soon but yeah I just want to point out as well that of all the movies that we've covered, I think this is the one that got nominated for the most Academy Awards. It was nominated for 11 Academy Awards in total. And of course, one for Best Actor, which is saying, which is really saying something if you break it down, as well as Best Original Score. 
and what an original score it was. Amazing, amazing soundtrack. Same woman who did the soundtrack to Chernobyl, which is another really good soundtrack. But yeah, watching the movie back a couple of days ago, I was blown away again with how good the score was. Mm. I mean, it's not the greatest score I've ever heard, but compared to the other movies we do, yeah, yeah. Compared to the other movies we do, it's really something. Yeah. But also talking about the soundtrack, I think it would be amiss if we didn't talk about something we didn't predict in the movie. One of the big climactic moments of the movie when uh, the Joker, when Arthur Fleck transforms into the Joker... We get to hear Rock and Roll Part 2 by Gary Glitter, Mm. which is a very sort of controversial, well, in a movie full of controversies with a lot of controversies surrounding it already, that was probably one of the biggest ones because everyone was really worried that Gary Glitter would get royalties for uh, the use of the song in the movie, which, by the way, I just want to put it out there, he didn't. He didn't actually get royalties for it. Well, that is good. That's a relief. But you've been <laughs> but you've been sending Gary Glitter some support over the last couple of days because I know when you arrived here at the studio today to do the show, you were listening to Gary Glitter. It's a good song. It's a shame it's attached to a that horrible person, human being. That yeah, person of course. And what that person did. So yeah. Yeah, I suppose you can still enjoy you know music without the burden of knowing the history of the artist who created it. I suppose. But yeah, it was really appropriate for that scene. Yeah, yeah, it works on so many levels. I think on that scene because I suppose you're not really supposed to know how to feel like it's supposed to be a triumphant moment but at what cost yeah like you're looking at this guy who's clearly he's he's a murderer he's killed several people at this point and he's finally created this new identity that he finally feels comfortable with i suppose <laughs> and he's going to go out and murder some more people and cause more mayhem and it's a big triumphant moment for him and we get this triumphant sort of over the top make you want to punch the air music but then you realize of course with the associations of the the artists who created the music you realize, oh, hang on, should I feel good about this or should I feel mm. bad about it? So it definitely works. If anyone's for the, lost, for the he's scene. a sex offender. But <laughs> <laughs> Gary Glitter, yeah, yeah, I think everyone should know that by now. A very, very bad sex offender. If you're a little bit squeamish when it comes to those things, don't look into his history because, oh boy, it is rough. But anyway, another thing I wanted to talk about was the other controversies surrounding the movie as well. Do you know some of those? Do you remember the whole thing about like, oh, it celebrates incels. Yeah, it encourages incel behavior. People boycotted this movie because they thought it was going to encourage, I don't know how to say this, a certain individual yeah. being um, romanticized and validated for doing horrible things to other that's people. That's right. That's right. But I didn't feel like that in the movie. No, I think if you actually see the movie, it's not really either condemning or condoning any individual, specifically incels, I suppose. But you know, if you're not going to go out and see well, the movie, if that sort of thing upsets you and you refuse to watch a movie because of it, then obviously you can paint your own interpretations when you see the film itself. Yeah. And you're always going to take away messages that may or may not be there if you're influenced by that kind of stuff. Yeah, but I mean, he was always a pathetic character. I think there was nothing heroic or romanticized about him, no. certainly about the things he did. Even but- Heath Ledger's Joker, you couldn't really hold that character up as someone to look up to. No. Hope- so I don't know why you would go into a Joker movie expecting to see like a great sympathetic guy. I mean, you could say that he's sympathetic on some levels, but at the end of the day, it all really comes down to your interpretation and how you personally condemn or condone the actions that he takes in the movie. And you could say that about anybody. Say that about any real or fictional character in history. Yeah, it definitely makes you feel something, I think. Everybody I've talked to who has watched the movie has a reaction to it. That's right. And that's the thing about all of the great movies that we cover on this show. We don't get to do too many really great (laughs) movies because I guess 2019 and 2020, for the lesser part, hasn't been particularly brilliant years for movies. But then all the movies that we would personally say are really great are ones that really hit you in the gut and make you feel something. So you've got like this movie, you've got Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you've got things like Jojo Rabbit. I know you haven't seen Knives Out, but that's got a similar sort of vibe to it. I started watching Knives Out. Oh, yeah, there you go. There you go. Oh, well, I suppose you're going to save it now until we do the episode because mm, it's coming up. I'm going to have to. It's only a couple of weeks off. Too busy these days to finish movies unless it's for the show. Yeah. And the last controversy I wanted to talk about before we dive into each other's plots or what we previously said was going to happen in the plot was the whole fear of another mass shooting. They yeah. were worried because of what happened in The Dark Knight Rises. If you remember, there was that guy who came in. He wasn't dressed as the Joker, but a lot of news outlets said that he was. He just had basically dyed his hair and I think painted his face, but it wasn't any specific Joker makeup. He was just wearing... Um, he, had his, he had red hair or something. Yeah, that's right. He was wearing like bulletproof clothing and a helmet, I think. And he just went in with the intention of mowing everybody down, which mm. of course is really horrible. Mm. And they were really worried that this movie would inspire, especially given the subject matter, yeah. that that would inspire another shooting of a similar nature. So I think the movie was actually banned where that shooting happened. I unfortunately didn't have the location written down. And I can understand that. Yeah. I can understand so that. So they it's didn't actually show ago. the movie at all where the original shooting happened. And there was a lot of places where they actually had armed sort of police watch outside of major locations showing the movie as well. But nothing ended up happening at all. There was no 
violence at all associated with the film. Which so, is good, and which is what should be the case all yeah, the time. Yeah, all the time, of course. But, you know. You know, you know. <laughs> anyway, moving on. So, I think you went first in that original episode. I did. So, before we get started as well, I should probably break down how our point system works, because in these episodes... We're always in fierce competition, Maddie D and I, so we really want to give each other a number. So at the end of the day, we can really tell who did the overall better job at predicting the movie. So what we do is if you get something absolutely dead on the money that wasn't in any of the promotional material at all, that gives you two points. So if you just pulled it out of the blue, it's two points for you. And Which is what we're aiming for. Yeah, exactly. And if it was something that was in the trailer or something we'd read about beforehand... That only gives you one point if you get the context of the scene correct in the actual movie. And if you are on the right track, but not quite. So if you've got a few details off or if you say something happened at the start of the movie when in actuality it was all the way at the end of the movie, you only get half a point. And I hope you're expecting a lot of half points this episode, Matty D. Yeah. (laughs) Because I certainly am too. Absolutely. As you should be as well. Yes. Yes. All right. So let's break down what you said, Matty D, and see how well you did compared to the actual plot of Joker. Let's do it. So you said straight off the bat that the movie would open with Arthur doing a bad joke at a comedy club and getting zero laughs. And he does not. Well, the movie does do that. The movie doesn't open that way, but he does do a lot of stand-up routines involving a lot of bad jokes and he often gets zero laughs. So I gave you half a point for that because it does happen in the movie, just not quite at the start there. Mm. It does actually happen somewhat close to the start. A very similar scene does happen. You do see him doing stand-up. No, actually, he's watching stand-up. Yeah. I'm mistaken. Yeah, he's watching stand-up. Yeah, he only does stand-up once. Yeah, he does it once where they end up taping it and sending it to the Murray Franklin show. And then on the Murray Franklin show, I suppose you could technically call that stand-up. It's more of an interview, but yeah. You get half a point either way. Either way. All right. I'll take it. And he said that we go from this to a therapy session where Arthur lies to the therapist about feeling fine. He doesn't really lie. No, he is trying to express himself. He doesn't really know how to. He seems a little bit shy towards his therapist. So I gave you half a point because he's just sort of keeping his feelings somewhat close to his well, chest. I think he also knows because he's... he feels defeated because yeah, you're going to say that his he therapist feels like, doesn't listen. Yeah, to him. he knows that his therapist doesn't listen because they don't have funding, and he's basically just going there to get his medication at the end of the day, isn't it? So that's close enough in my book. I gave you half a point. Ding. You said that his therapist wants to put him on medication. I gave you half a point for that because she does because he is already on medication. (laughs) As I just said, that's the only reason he's going to the therapy still. And you also thought that the city of Gotham will be a character in itself. Oh, it was. And I gave you a point for that because I think that was fairly obvious leading up to the movie. Looking at all those trailers where the whole cityscape, the whole 1981 setting of Gotham very much was a character that sort of jumped out, made an impression straight away, even before we watched the movie. Yeah, we watched this movie again like two days ago. And that was something that really stuck out to both of us was how much attention they put into the set and just the environment. It was something I really didn't pay attention to the first few times I watched the movie. Yeah, because there's so much other stuff going on. Yeah. They don't really notice it. So I noticed it for the kitchen. <laughs> which is a lot but yes. like, this time around I was like oh, they, well Joaquin wow. Phoenix sort of like demands your attention in most of the scenes mm-hmm. so he's always like the biggest thing on screen at any moment so your eyes are sort of automatically drawn to him I suppose that's why he got the best actor award yeah. for better or for worse but anyway you said that Arthur's mother Penny has dementia and that Arthur is her primary carer I gave you a point for that even though she doesn't have dementia she doesn't no she doesn't have dementia but there is something mentally wrong with her she has some sort of delusions it could be dementia but I don't think so this is something she's had her whole life and I don't think you have dementia your whole life basically you said that penny asks arthur about how he went at the comedy club and tells him that he's special that doesn't happen at all she doesn't give two shits so about his here comedy I career am thinking that the mother is some nice kind supportive influence no you did as well yes that's oh right oh my god could we be no further from the t- but that worked for the movie so well because it felt so cold yeah it did she was awful. He basically had no one special in his life whatsoever, no. so except for his imaginary girlfriend, yeah. which is something neither of us predicted either. That shocked me in the movie. Yeah, me too. I didn't quite know what was going on at first, but then when it came together, I was like, ah, oh, there we go. That just made me really sad. I was like, oh. But right. it made more sense because I'm like, why is, she, why is she dating him? It doesn't make any sense. And then when that happened, I was like, oh, there we go. There we go. He really has no one. Yes. Oh, so here we go. The next thing you said was that Arthur is happy with his mother. And gives her a bath. Well, he does give her a bath. I gave you half a point for that, but he's certainly not happy living with his mother. We see that in the trailer. I mean, he does say in the Murray Franklin show, or his delusion of the Murray Franklin show, that he enjoys looking after his mother. Yeah. I don't think that's the truth, though. 
Probably not. But no. what is the truth in this movie? Exactly. You could question the events of anything in the movie. So it, if, if anything, you could argue that you deserve two <laughs> points at any point. All like, of my points, I deserve two points. How do we not know that this didn't happen? Anyway, you said that Arthur and his mother enjoy watching the Murray Franklin show together. And Penny encourages Arthur to do a stand-up show because he's so funny. That's so funny because she says the exact opposite yeah. in the movie. She's like, why would you want to be a stand-up? You're not funny. <laughs> I gave you half a point because they do seem to have this ritual of watching the show together. They seem to get excited when the well, show comes on. Well, she watches it and he's just there. Yeah, that's right. But he seems to like the show because yeah. why else would he imagine himself being on it? And why else would he really you know, jump at the chance to go on it as sure. well? Well, Murray's kind of a father figure almost to him before. That's right. Thomas Wayne is. That's right. You said that at this point in the movie, it is revealed that Arthur's mother has died in between scenes and we see Arthur overlooking her grave. How poetic. Yes. What a good writer I am. Yeah. Well, that doesn't happen in the movie, Matty D, but I gave you half a point because his mother does die <laughs> in the movie. Right. Thank you, Kieran. Not at the start. Thank <laughs> she you. She is uh, suffocated with a pillow towards <laughs> the end of the movie. Oh, wow. In uh, quite a shocking scene. I just want to say as well, just while we're on that note, do you remember when we saw this in the cinema, how many people walked out? Yeah, in people were horrified. I remember too. there were people screaming as well in there certain were, scenes. Like, there were a lot of people walking out. I don't think people were really sort of expecting this movie to be what it was. Like, I think they were expecting something more along the lines of I don't know what Avengers Endgame. <laughs> oh God, I hope not. One of Certainly the Batman not movies. Avengers Endgame. So I don't think people were expecting the movie to be as shocking or as confronting as it actually was because yeah. there, there were a lot of upset people in our audience. I remember remarking on that the other day, just blowing my mind how you could go into this movie and not be prepared for that. Mm. Well, look, to be fair, I can understand it not being everyone's cup of tea. Yeah, of course. Especially because it's on, on a superhero name or not like a super, yeah, it's a it's super a, villain. It's associated with a superhero like, franchise. You wouldn't expect a movie about Lex Luthor to be like, yeah. know, murdering sadness. No, of course not. Of course not. But, you know, I guess that made the experience more sort of fun because, you know, we were having a good time while everyone else was just sort of getting up and walking out. <laughs> but I suppose we knew what to expect because we'd, we'd done this episode. We'd been researching yeah, the trailer. we'd been really thinking about it. Back to your plot. You said that Arthur has nobody in his life anymore and spends all of his time alone. That's true. I mean, he does. I gave you a point. At another open mic night, you said that Arthur would do jokes about his mental illness. Someone saw something in the trailer of yeah. his notepad. Yes. So that's technically true because anytime he does do stand-up, it always seems to be about himself or something to do with his own personal feelings. So I gave you a point and a half for that. That's almost two points, but I was like, he's on the right track. But yeah. It deserves a little bit more than half a point. And speaking of, you said that Arthur Thanks. is booed off stage and the audience throws things at him. I gave you a point <laughs> and a half for that as well because on the Murray Franklin show... The audience gets really worked up and starts yelling at him. And I suppose they try and throw him off stage while the police do. Right, but not on his stand-up. No, set. that's right. But I sort of counted his appearance on the Murray Franklin show as a stand-up set in some way because he does tell a joke, tells does, a knock-knock joke. He's there as a comedian, I guess. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, I'm counting it. It's close enough for me. You'd be getting no points otherwise, buddy D. I'll take him. Look at it this way. You said that he asked the manager of the comedy club if there's any more work for him. And the manager turns him down. No, that doesn't happen at all. You, you thought that he worked in an abattoir. That, of course, isn't true at all. And that he does his therapy sessions and gets his medication from Arkham Asylum, which is true. But we see that in the trailer, so it's only a point. I don't point. know why I thought he'd work there. Maybe because he was like... He just wanted like a really sort of dark, depressing job. Well, he's job. dealing with bodies all the time. He'd be desensitized by it. Yeah, that's right. Maybe that's yeah. what you I was... He said he was always covered with blood as well. Mm. He'd be like washing the floor, which is just covered with blood at the end of the day. You said that Arthur would watch Thomas Wayne on TV talking about how prosperous Gotham City is. Mm, that kind of happens. I mean, he does. I gave you a point for that because that kind of happens. Uh, and you said that Arthur asks his boss at the abattoirs for an advance and gets turned down. Of course, he doesn't work in abattoir. Doesn't need an advance. <laughs> I completely forgot I said that. You said that Arthur comes across a business that hires out clowns. I gave you half a point for that because at the start of the movie, he already works for Clowns R Us or whatever we called it. <laughs> and you said that he starts working at the clown business where everyone is miserable. That's 100% correct. But I gave you a point and a half for that because we can see from the trailer that he's not happy in the job. See the tear rolling down the makeup as he applies it. Which is at the start of the movie. Which it is, yeah. So much of the trailer was at the start of the movie, we didn't guess Yeah, that. I couldn't believe that. Uh, here's an interesting point. You thought that Arthur would become interested in a waitress at the diner and starts a relationship with her because he makes her laugh. I gave you half a point for that because I don't think she's a waitress. I don't no, think there's any not. evidence that she's a waitress. You don't even call her by name for your entire plot. Sophie is her name, right? Yeah, that's right. But you don't say Sophie at all. You just call her the waitress. Do they call her her name in the movie? I tell you what, I don't think they do. No. There you go. So, wow, you're onto something there. I should give you more points. I gave you half a point because in their imaginary relationship that they have in the actual movie, she says that she's interested in him because he makes her laugh. Yeah. So, that's close enough for me. I gave you half a point. You said that the waitress is revealed to have an illness of some sort. Jeez. <laughs> oh, 
That's just taken directly from the killing joke is, and doesn't happen in the actual movie. And uh, this is where... <laughs> This is where your plot starts to get a bit more interesting. You said that Arthur attends a children's birthday party where he gets kicked in the nuts and made fun of. <laughs> no, that doesn't happen at all. Uh, and then after work, Arthur's colleague Monty, that isn't who the character is at all. I can't remember what the character's actual name is in the movie. He's not really uh, related to... His name's not Monty's And name. he's also not the same character that you thought what he'd be. What was his name? It was Daryl? No, it wasn't Daryl. It was something. Something along those lines. Remember. I don't remember. Monty was a name I lifted from one of the comic books. That's right. So you said that his colleague Monty offers him an opportunity to make some real money and reveals that he and another man make money on the side by robbing places. There are a couple of robbers. Does it sound familiar to you now yes, that you've read the, the comic yeah. book? Again, just straight from the killing joke. Yep. So you said that Arthur would have a successful date with Sophie. Well, you didn't. The waitress. I, I, I guess so. And the two will get along very well. I gave you half a point because, yeah, that kind of happens. In, sort in of his happens. imaginary. In his imagination. Land. And you said that, here we go. You said that Sophie knows someone who works at the, quote, Pongo Comedy Club. <laughs> oh, no. And I was offers, so close. Yes. And offers Arthur a gig there. Now, in the trailer, we get to see the sign and it says quite clearly the mm. Pogo Comedy Lounge. Yeah. Well, and it somehow evolved into the Pongo Club in your I, version. I know this club because it's in the comics, and also yeah. I read it on. I don't think it's called the Pongo Club in the comics. No, it is not. And also, I read it on the trailer. I saw the incorrectly, sign, but because I'm an idiot, <laughs> I called it the Pongo Club. Yes, uh, one consonant. Yeah, kill me. Well. Either way, she doesn't know someone who works at the Pongo Club. No, she does not. He just sort of hangs out there already and goes to the open mic night. And it's the Pogo Club. I just want to reiterate that again. <laughs> so I couldn't give you any points there. You said that Arthur is advertising a closing down music store. Ding, that's absolutely true. It and is. some kids steal his sign and kick him in the nuts. I think that's worth two points. Even though, even though that's in the trailer, I think it's worth two points because you spotted that it was a music store when I did I read the sign. There you go. So technically you should get one point, but because, you know, he does get kicked in the nuts, presumably, we don't actually see it. He this gets is something, kicked all over the place. Yeah, he gets kicked all over the body. We thought maybe he's protecting his nuts. Maybe he got kicked <laughs> in the nuts off screen. Either way, it's two points. Because that was, was a such a less, big deal. It was a lot less funny than we thought yeah. it would be. Can that we was, say that? If you listen to our previous Joker prediction episode, we could not get over. In fact, all, in all the episodes leading up to that episode, we could not get over the whole thought of the Joker being like Joaquin Phoenix being smacked in the nuts by a couple of kids. We just wanted to see him like grab himself and go, oh! And, and then that would have made it. Would have made the movie for when us. When we saw it, I was like, oh my god! That's, yeah, and that's the movie opens sad. with that. Like we were so excited. We got so excited because we saw him with the sign dancing and the children stealing. We're like, it's happening right away! <laughs> it's happening right away! Here we go! And then they're when, peaking too early. Yeah, when it happened, when he when he was accosted in the street. Do you remember in the original episode I said, oh, people will be more mature than us and take it for what it is, violence, and won't find it funny. Yeah, they walked out. And then it was yeah, exactly. And then when it was actually that in the movie, you and I just sort of looked each other like, huh, that wasn't what I wanted it to be. But since we're both just juvenile children, that's what we really wanted from yeah. the Joker movie. Yeah, but yeah, oh well. So on that note as well, you were really worried that they'd cut that scene out of the movie of him getting kicked in the nuts. They did. I actually gave you a bonus point because, yeah, we don't see him getting kicked in the nuts no. at all. So that deserves a bonus point. I mean, we don't know if it was a scene that was cut. We can assume it might be. but Yeah, maybe. Everyone was just laughing too much in the editing room. <laughs> the way. We can't have that. We want them to be sad straight away. All right. Moving back onto your plot, you said that Arthur does a set at the Pongo Lounge. <laughs> Stop saying it. Where his jokes don't land at all. Uh -huh. I gave you a point for that because, as we've already discussed, that kind of happens anytime he does stand-up. And you thought that Arthur's jokes would just be malicious observations about his own life. I think that's worth two points. Mm, yeah. Because they kind of are. If you read his joke book, his note that he keeps down for the therapist, he has like a diary. Journal, right? Yeah, that he sticks like pictures of pornography and weird sort of twisted jokes in it. Uh, if you read those, that's technically sort of malicious observations about life. So, yeah, two points there. Interestingly enough, you thought that Thomas Wayne would be in the audience of the Pongo Lounge. Yeah, this was me trying to... There's a scene in the trailer where he gets thrown out of this establishment. Yeah, that's right. And I was right. like, how does he get in there? And I thought, well, maybe if he does a comedy night in like a fancy place. He was doing a charity comedy event. And he's got to meet Thomas Wayne at some point. I just sort of threw that together, but it doesn't make a lot of sense, admittedly. Yeah. No, and you thought that Thomas Wayne would heckle Arthur and then well, Arthur <laughs> used to like him. And then as soon as he did that, he was like, no, nope, don't like him anymore. He's a heckler. He's just a jerk in the audience. And this causes Arthur to go into a rant about how awful the world is. I gave you a point and a half because technically he does do that on the Murray Franklin show. He does rant about how awful the world is and how he's been treated. But not at this point. Not at this point, though. So that's why I gave you only a point and a half because it happens, but not at the point that you thought it would happen. Fair. I think that's generous. 
You said that Arthur would be beat up on the train ride home. I gave and you a point he because he is. And we saw that in the trailer. It was in the trailer. He said that he has dinner with his girlfriend who tells him that she's terminally ill. Went to the doctor today. I thought <laughs> I was just Ill. ill. Turns out I'm terminally ill. So yeah, start packing suitcases, I suppose. In an underscript disease as well. That I yeah, that's right. Didn't that's right. Off. Will the illness have an impact on the plot? Maybe we'll find out in a few sentences. He said that Arthur and Sophie are planning on moving in together, even though she's terminally ill. Better not do anything longer than a six-month lease, I don't think, Arthur. Uh, and neither have a lot of money. You also thought that Arthur would get along with Sophie's daughter. Mm. Uh, they don't even really talk at all. Yeah. Did I say daughter in my place? Yes. Yeah, you said daughter. I said son. I know. No, we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, you said that Arthur gets in touch with Monty, who offers him a job robbing Wayne Manor. By the way, you're not getting any points for the last few lines here yeah. because uh, yeah, none fair. of this was close at all. And you said while scoping out the manor, Arthur, stately Wayne Manor, that is, Arthur meets a young Bruce Wayne. And what is he wearing, Kieran? Uh, it doesn't matter. Oh, it doesn't? It doesn't it? matter. We'll talk about it. Oh, later. really? So I gave you a point for that because he isn't really... Well, he is scoping it out, but in the hopes of meeting Thomas Wayne. And he sees young Bruce Wayne and thinks it's his younger brother, yeah, presumably. I this whole scene wrong. Yeah. I did not think Well, I gave you a point be because technically he is scoping out in the manor and he is meeting a young Bruce Wayne. So you get a point there. But it's in the trailer. If it turned out they were brothers... I'd been so mad. Yeah, me too. Oh, man. So I'm really glad that didn't happen. I would have laughed at you and been like, now this is your spectre. (laughs) I know, right? You said that Arthur would manage to charm Bruce Wayne into thinking that nothing is suspicious. Uh, That couldn't be further from the truth because he sort of reaches in and sticks his fingers in his mouth, gives him that wand with the pretend flowers on the end and just sort of generally creeps him out, even though Bruce Wayne doesn't try to leave or run away or do anything. He waits for the one security guard, (laughs) Alfred, to to do his lap around the... (laughs) The matter and shove him away and punch him in the face. Yes. You said that Arthur and Monty rob Wayne Manor while in clown makeup. That doesn't happen at all. No. The robbery goes wrong. And of course, your favorite line, they escape by the skin of their skin teeth. Skin of their teeth. That's your crutch. If everyone's playing the potential spoilers drinking game at home, that's, that's please take a drink now. You said that the robbery will be reported on the news where they show a criminal in clown makeup. Now, I actually gave you half a point for that because we do see the murder that Arthur commits when he kills the three rich guys on the train. And they do show like a a sketch, like a witness sketch of someone in clown makeup. So that's close enough. So I give you half a point for that. And here we go. Arthur finds out that his girlfriend was killed by the police while walking home from work. Yeah. So her terminal illness didn't have anything to do with it. She was just like minding her own business and suddenly she was hit by like a stray bullet. he's, He's trying to raise money to help her with her like health stuff. Sure. And then all of a sudden, it doesn't work out. Like, yeah. Well, you said it was important that she was killed by the police because you wanted him to be anti-authority. Anti-authority. Yeah. But also that it was so random. Yeah. It sort of works. It has in, to be like a shock, right? In my head, it's like the cruel joke of the world is playing yeah. on him. Well, the movie actually presents an even crueler joke. He thought he had this great relationship with Sophie, and it turns out it was never true at all. It was all imaginary. Heartbreak. So that's kind of close, but not close enough to give you any points. You thought that eh, Sophie's child just goes into foster care, isn't going to move in with the Joker. Well, it's kind of not would in she? it. <laughs> no, she wouldn't. He said that the clown gangsters decide not to give Arthur any of the robbery money, so Arthur burns down their hideout. Yeah. My God, my plot starts to escalate from here yes. on Yes. If this was Birds of Prey and it was Harley Quinn instead of uh, Joker, you'd get points, but unfortunately, it's not the case I'm here. throwing everything at the wall here. Yeah, the kitchen sink's coming in a second. He said that news reports start appearing about the clown prince of crime. <laughs> Uh, I actually gave you half a point for that because, yeah, in a loose way, you could say that that happens. Like they're saying like there's a clown murderer running around. Mm. And then Arthur really takes that to heart. He really likes that whole image of being a scary clown murderer. So remember there's that picture like the clown has like sharp teeth and he's like roaring. It's on the front of the newspaper. And he copies it. And yeah, he looks at it and sort of copies it because he's like, that's me. (laughs) So that's why I gave you half a point. You said that people start dressing like the Joker, causing riots and committing crimes while wearing clown masks. I gave you a point for that because they do. We do see this in the trailer, though. You said that Thomas Wayne goes on the news and publicly decries the Joker. Gave you a point for that as well because, again, it was in the trailer. I love this whole thing, by the way, the whole people dressing up as clowns and just causing mayhem. Yeah. It's like that weird time a couple of years ago mm. and it was like mm. people just randomly trying to make viral videos by dressing up as I mean, as it reminded clowns. me of a lot of things. Yeah. Even recently. Yeah, exactly. He said that a person inspired by the Joker kills Thomas and Martha Wayne. Oh, I give yes. you two points for that because that is dead on the money. Yes. Better than my prediction. Again, we'll Joe get to Chill it. Joe Chill in a Joker mask. Yeah. You said that Arthur has turned fully into the Joker at this point in the movie. I give you another two points for that because he has. And that throughout the movie, this is just an offhanded note, I think. Throughout the movie, people make fun of Arthur's clown getup. They do. I give you a point for that. Nice. 
You said that the Joker raids a fundraiser where he tells all the social elites that he has bombs <laughs> hidden throughout the building. I gave you half a point oh, for really? that. Oh, really? Because there's no bombs involved whatsoever. All right. But he does sneak into oh, he does a charity event where they're showing like Charlie Chaplin films mm. in order to meet Thomas Wayne. So okay. he does sneak in there that's, dressed as like an usher. That's very loose, Kieran. So but... that's close enough to sneaking into a charity event for me to count it. Jeez, I hope you're as generous with my point because I, I, I think I really need it too. <laughs> Said, but I appreciate it, thank you. You're very welcome. You said that the social elite submit to Arthur's demands, which are to appear on the Murray Franklin show. By the way, for the rest of the plot, you started calling it the Franklin Murray show <laughs> at this stage. Yeah, I got his name backwards. On the Franklin Murray show, or the Murray Franklin show as it's actually known, the Joker tells everyone... He has two first names, it's not my fault. <laughs> he tells everyone that he has laughing gas hidden around Gotham. Got to fit laughing gas in. Yeah, you... Right, Kyle? Yeah, exactly. Kyle, who wrote in Kyle, with a plot for our last Kyle episode, also laughing had gas laughing, laughing gas. In fact, you two had very similar plots as well. There's obviously no laughing gas in this movie whatsoever. Well, there's none in my movie either. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. He, he lied about but it. But he's, he's telling them that there is, so... So this is your big prediction because you thought the Joker would kill Murray Franklin live on the air? Did I say that? Yes, you did. Oh, my God! And so that gives you two points because that <laughs> does... Happened in the movie in a very pivotal scene. Wow. And then he does a monologue about how awful his life is. I gave you two points because he does right up to when he kills Murray Franklin. Mm. It's not as dramatic as I thought it would be, but it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's It's a a highlight of the movie. So you thought that the police would realise that there aren't actually any bombs or laughing gas hidden around the city. Hang on a second. How would he tie up bombs in this building without knowing it first? And you said that the joke would be arrested at this point. I gave you two points because he is arrested at this point in the movie after killing Murray Franklin. Oh my God, he is. Yeah. And while he's in the police car, this is, this <laughs> is my favourite part of your plot. I love plot. this. This is great writing by me. You said while he's in the police car. I will hear no car, sass about this. The policeman wants to play some music and wind down the windows, like as you do when a, like a murderer is in the car. Do you mind if I just wind down the windows? He's tied up. He's not harming he's anybody He's tied now. up like a, a woman to a railroad track. <laughs> so you said that the Jake would say, oh, it wouldn't kill me. And the policeman goes, oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's a funny... <laughs> Funny joke. I was really proud of that. And the movie ends with the Joker smiling. Even even when we were watching the movie and you were like, is this the part in the car, Matty D, where he says, yeah. <laughs> that's a funny joke? Yeah, yeah. Do you mind I if I like, just play a little bit of music? I'm a very relaxed, <laughs> laid back police officer. I was like, no. All right, so How'd that's, do? How'd that's do? everything that you said would happen in the movie. It was a very long plot. And that gives you a total of 39 points. Ooh. Which I think is very well done, personally. For someone who wasn't really that close to the movie, you actually got a lot of details correct. Yeah, surprising. I didn't realise until you listed it there how much I got right yeah. there. Yeah. There you go. I kind of didn't think I would get anything right, but I liked my plot nonetheless. I liked the movie as well, though. Yeah, there we go. All right, so let's go into what you had to say. How mm, confident oh, were you, we by the way? Not really. <laughs> Not really. I thought your plot was a bit sillier than mine, so I thought I might be closer to the actual movie, but I suppose we'll find well, out now. Talk about something very important because you said the tone of this movie will be like Bronson, Raging yep. Bull, Taxi, and The King of Comedy, which I'm going to give you two points for because oh, thank you. that's kind of, in my opinion, you've kind of nailed the overall theme of the or the overall feel. Yeah, of the, the vibe. Yeah. Because yep. I definitely see Taxi. I definitely see King of Comedy. Taxi Driver, you mean? Taxi Driver, yeah. Not uh, not Taxi. <laughs> no, not the Steve Martin, Queen Latifah vehicle. And I definitely see Bronson as well. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe that listening back to it. I was like, wow, that's actually a pretty good call. Speaking of Bronson, you said the Joker will appear oh, no. in full makeup, talking to the audience directly, like in Bronson, and says that he's going to tell a story. Crack yourself in, i got a tale for you. Doesn't quite happen. No, it doesn't happen at all. Doesn't quite happen. Um, and then we're going to jump into 1981. Arthur is poor, living in a dingy Gotham apartment. I give you a point there. We see that in the trailer. He is painfully shy. He is. The only person he speaks to is his mother. It yep. is. Yep, technically um, true. His mother has a brain tumor and is too sick to work. She doesn't have a brain tumor. No, but he is the carer of her and she doesn't work because yep. of that. She's quite elderly. She's quite frail. And he lives across the hall from Sophie, who is a single mother who he is attracted to. Mm-hmm. Now, Arthur is too shy to approach her. He simply gives a mumble hello at best. He yep. doesn't quite do that. He does a weird taxi driver tends to reference. shoot himself in the head, yeah. So I gave you one point for that and I gave you two points for the relationship with the mother and his Not shyness and two points for being attracted to um, Sophie and another set of two points as well, I think, for being in the... Um, Just being generally awesome. Yeah. Can't remember what I gave you another two points for. Oh, yeah, because the, he's shy and the only person yeah. he speaks to is his he mother. He doesn't say anything. He, she's trying to talk to him in the elevator and he just doesn't say anything to her no. at all. No. 
He just sort no. of stares at the floor. Yeah. So Arthur is hanging around Gotham Giggles, that famous establishment in Gotham City. You may know it if you're a comic book fan. Yeah. It's called Gotham Giggles. That's what I thought the comedy club would be called. Yeah, the Gotham Giggles. It's <laughs> not a bad name. It's, a, it's alliteration. Yeah. I, I would go to the Gotham Giggles. I'd go there before I went to the Pongo Club. <laughs> the Pongo Club sounds like it's a really seedy, quite a dingy bar, I yeah. think. Yeah, maybe. So he takes a liking to a smooth-talking, quick-witted comedian, and he has aspirations of being a comedian himself. And we see that Arthur has a really off-putting laugh, which he tries to avoid. Now, we didn't predict that his laugh was a condition, but my word does he have an off-putting laugh. And my word is he quite ashamed of it. He quite tries to hide it. So, give you two points for that. I give you two points for him being wanting to be a comedian and also him admiring another comedian who he'll be soon to dress as, which I'll get into in a sec. Yes. So, next, the mother and the son, Arthur and his mother. Penny, yep bond over the Murray Franklin show and they have a tradition of watching it. And he tells his mother he wants to be a comedian, but worries that he's too introverted. And his mother tells him (laughs) in a very supporting way that if he doesn't like the person he is to be the person he wants to be, to act like the person he wants to be in his life. Yeah. And this is faithful advice for him, which will become very important later. And we see that Arthur's mother is being affected by the brain tumor. So I give you two points there because there is a tradition of him watching the Murray Franklin show, but I give you half a point for the fact that She's not supportive at all. She's not supportive. Um, And the only way that she helps him turn into the Joker is by just being really awful. Yeah. but Pushing him over the edge, really. In his head, she's supportive. So that's where that half a point comes from. Also, also, she's not really affected by a brain tumor, we don't think, but she's definitely something's up. Yeah, that's right. So Arthur takes his mother's advice literally and goes to an open mic night and he dresses like the comedian he admires. And in a rare act of courage, he asks Sophie to the show but freezes and the act turns disastrous. Yep. Uh, the comedian who is emulating is, sees his performance and is freaked out. I give you two sets of points because he does go to the open mic night, he does dress like the comedian, and he does apparently, although not really, ask Sophie to go yes. and watch him. Now, this is where I thought it was really clever of you because he actually does start dressing like a comedian that we see early on. Yeah. It becomes part of his aesthetic. And it's something that you may not see in the movie first time, but yeah, it's, it's there. definitely there. It's there, which is quite quite smart on your part. Uh, he has dinner with Sophie. Oh, look, who was making fun of that, huh? Who was making fun of that? Does have dinner with Sophie. And Sophie just tells him at a diner to be himself. Um, they do have dinner at a diner, but we do. don't hear what they're talking about. No. So I give you a point for that because we see it in the trailer. It does happen. Yeah. Um, there's no conversation there, but essentially the important part of your plot is Sophie is telling Arthur, you're a sweet guy, you're a nice guy, you should just be yourself, don't worry about being somebody that you're not. And he says, why would I want to be myself? Because I hate myself, why would anybody else like me? I nearly skipped a point, you said earlier, my apologies. So a little bit earlier, I missed this point, you said that Arthur's mother is sent to Arkham Asylum. and Yep, after her brain tumor sort of kicks in. Yeah, after her brain tumor kicks in and he sees her every day, he promises to take any job he can to give her the best care possible. Unfortunately, that is Arkham Asylum. And there are scenes within him going to Arkham Asylum that show how terrible this place is. So I'll give you a point there because we see that in the trailer. And he goes to Arkham Asylum one day and is shocked to find that his mother is dead. He doesn't react to this. He's in shock. Um, he's offered counselling, but he refuses. There's no therapy subplot. Oh, you're oh, wrong. No. Yeah. Oh, no. But he doesn't get the care. Couldn't that be he more needs. wrong there. Now he does. His mother does die, so I'll give you half yep. a point. And he is shocked by it. Or he doesn't necessarily. He's not no, necessarily shocked by it. It's very cathartic he, for him. He does kill her, yeah. which neither of us guessed. But she does die, which which gives you half a point. So Arthur gets a and job. And she was a patient, by the way. She was a patient in Arkham Asylum because he goes there and steals the files on her. That's true. I guess you deserve half a point for that as well. Oh, wow. There you go. So Arthur gets a job as a sign waiver for a furniture shop. <laughs> furniture shop. You were so adamant. You were like, Matty D, you're stupid. Music shops don't go out of fashion. No, I don't said, oh, music cl- shops close down all the time. And I just did furniture <laughs> shop because I didn't want to do the same thing as you. Um, and he's horrified to know that part of the job means he's dressing as a clown, which I give you a point for because he does have to do this job. But, but he, he seems to be very used to it he, in the actual movie. He is, yeah. But he loves the anonymity and he also feels free to be himself, which he does. Yeah. Which he does. That's true. He kind of enjoys that. He's kind of got a sweet innocence to him. Yeah. When he's out of his clown makeup in the movie, that's when he's really introverted. But when he's in the clown makeup, that's when he's more he open. He becomes alive. And yeah, yeah which is has cool. more fun. Mm. And here's the point in the plot, in your plot, where a bunch of hooligans steal his sign, a chase ensues, 
Joker gets kicked in the Gahonas. Yep, of course. The sign gets broken. He loses his job. Two points because he does. Yeah, because does, of the sign being stolen. Because of the sign, he does. Lo- well, it's the straw that broke the camel's yeah, back. Yeah. I think he drops a gun. Yeah, in he's a in a children's hospital and a gun falls out of his pants. That's a big sort of straw on but the camel's back the there. The last straw is, or, yep. or what's leading to the last straw is the sign. That's right. Uh, and I'll give you and one point. And he punches out and leaves. Yeah, and I'll give you one point as well because of um, him working in that job. So after this traumatic experience, he gets on the train to head home and he's so emotional and so overwhelmed, he just starts laughing. Yep. Guess what, Kieran? That does happen. Yep, that's right. I mean, it, it kind of gets started by something that he sees. I guess yeah, that's he just right. reacts. He sees a woman being harassed on the train. Mm. And he's uh, when he's sort of, I, I think nervous. when he's upset or nervous, yeah, that's when he starts doing that weird laughing condition. So it attracts the attention of some well-dressed thugs. They're yeah, like, that's right. They're coming back from, well. a, from a wedding. Well, they are. <laughs> they are thugs. Um, yeah. They're Wall Street kids. Yeah, I they're think. Wall Street we thugs. We didn't really pay attention to how young these guys were. No. Or supposed to be, I guess. Yeah. And they will attack him. He will lash out. One of them will pull a gun. Arthur will wrestle him to the ground and wrestle the gun off him. And in the next station, he flees. Now, I'll give you one point because we see this in the trailer. Yeah, that's but right. But what you called, which I thought was very impressive, was that we'll see that Arthur will take the gun home with him and there'll be scenes where he's looking at the gun, very taxi driver-esque. Yeah, that's right. And not knowing that's what to do. That's where I took do. it from. Two points because that is what happens. There's yep. a scene where he, there's several scenes actually where he's playing with this gun. He's yeah. very and he shoots a hole through the wall. <laughs> That's right. So a few weeks later, he does stand up again, but he tries something different. He tries to wear the clown makeup to overcome his stage fright. Um, I give you half a point because he does attempt stand up comedy, but it's not with clown makeup. No. When he goes on the Murray Franklin show, he's very adamant about wearing clown makeup, though. Yeah, which is why I give you half a point. Oh, there you go. And I give you another point as well because all of his jokes have a creepy edge. Similar to what you were saying earlier, we kind of see this throughout all of his stand-up. Yeah. And it doesn't really garner a reaction. It just gets an awkward laugh. But he feels really happy about it. He's like coming into his own. Arthur's coming back. He's very happy with himself and finds that Sophie has lost her job. She's an employee of Wayne Enterprises. I find that very interesting. Weirdly enough. Because his mother is. Yeah, that's right. And she lost her job because she was crazy. Yeah, but not Sophie. She does not know how she's going to support her son. You said it was a son in the movie, not a daughter. But That's something I do all the time. (laughs) Just assume. Just get the wrong gender of the child. Assume, assume, assume. Something I've noticed, and Many D and I have discussed this at length off air, anytime there's a child in a movie, it's always a daughter. These days, it's always a daughter. Often, yeah. Yeah. So Arthur offers that he's going to support her, and Sophie becomes his emotional focal point for his whole world. So I give you two sets of two points there, because... He is she, obsessed with her. He does. It does become his focal point. So from this point on, Arthur sees Thomas Wayne as his scapegoat, a big public enemy number one. Yeah. Also, Thomas Wayne in this universe is going for mayor, which you give you get two points for because he is. He is. He's running. I forgot for, that he was. Well, he's running for some political field. I think he's right, either okay. mayor or governor. So he's in politics. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Which I thought. Oh wow. I don't know why I didn't say that. That's. Quite clever. And I think he does in the comic as well. So, well done, sir. And he promises to get rid of the undesirables, which I guess also means Arthur. So, Arthur feels like he's a liar and he wants to expose him. I give you two points for that. And he decides to do this on the Murray Franklin show. Expose him, that is. Yeah. Since it was his childhood dream, it would be like killing two birds with one stone. I give you half a point for that because he does go on the Murray Franklin show. He doesn't tend to. But he doesn't sneak on. No, no. He gets asked on. So Arthur gets onto the Murray Franklin show by tying up another comedian. Yep. <laughs> so I guess their security is the same security as the Waynes. Yep. yep. Uh, he Alfred com- Pennyworth is in charge of the Murray Franklin show security too. He comes on stage and tells everyone to rise up against the elite and gets dragged off stage. I give you two points for that because although he, he doesn't- says that. He doesn't He's say- dragged out of the studio by the police. He kind of says that, but he's definitely dragged off by the police, but it happens later on in the movie, but I was yep. surprised at how much you called there. So I'll give you two points for that. So overnight, people start dressing up as clowns. Not as much violence in my movie. Well, no, there's a little bit all. coming up. Not at yeah. all. So overnight, uh, people start dressing up as clowns and protesting against Thomas Wayne and also, I guess, the wealthy as well. And they start going to rallies. They're not committing any crimes, but they're showing their presence. Boy, are they. We see that in yep. the trailer, so I'll give you a point there. Thomas Wayne denounces the Joker responsible, which I give you a point for. Yep. Arthur will never refer to himself as the Joker, but other people will call him that. And I give you half a point because yeah. that does start off to be the case, but yes. eventually he's like... Call me Joker. It. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Arthur dyes his hair green. He does one point, and he corners Thomas Wayne and kills him in an alleyway with the gun. Presumably, Martha as well. So I'll give you half a point. Why I give you half a point is he did corner Thomas Wayne. He doesn't intend to yeah. kill him, but also he is directly responsible for the killing of Thomas that's Wayne correct. because yep. he encourages somebody to do that. So there you go. you're kind of on the right track there. There is a foot chase with some police who are protecting Thomas Plain Wayne. Plainclothes police. 
plainclothes police. So I'll give you a point there. We do see that in the trailer. He gets hit by a taxi and he escapes into a crowd of other jokers. I'll give you a point because we see that in the trailer. I also said when he was hit by the taxi that it doesn't really affect him too much. <laughs> it doesn't, right? And it doesn't. Just kind of like shakes it off. Now, here's what you get two points for because uh, he's wearing a clown mask and he ditches it and he gives them the French connection slip, which I'll give you two points yep, for. That's absolutely true. Yep. So after all this, he arrives and greets Sophie with some flowers saying, guess what, baby? I killed Thomas Wayne. <laughs> and she's like, huh? Guess what I did at work today. And she chases him out at knife point. And she's very, very creeped out. Now, I'll give you half a point because she tells him to get out. Yeah, that's right. In a nice way. She's very lovely, but not quite in the way you... Envision. Also, he doesn't admit that he's killed anybody to her. He just no. sort of shows up in her apartment no. and she asks him to leave. He's very distraught and running down the street. Several scenes of that throughout the whole movie. Yes. I, I'm picturing the rain scene in particular. And from this point on, he'll be in full Joker attire one point because he is. He kind yep. of embraces this, this character, this persona. He's loitering out the front in this part of the movie. He's loitering out the front of Wayne Manor. And he sees a recently parentless Bruce Wayne. <laughs> who Still dressed for the funeral, him. presumably enough. In this part of the plot, he's wearing clown makeup. Is he? You said he was. Yeah, but he isn't and, in the actual movie. And they have a conversation through the gate. He gives Bruce Wayne the flowers he meant to give Sophie. And he puts some fingers in his mouth. It makes him smile. I'm giving you one point there because it's in the trailer. And he tells him to smile even when your heart is breaking. Now, you would think that's kind of stupid, but I give you two points there. Really? Because this happens at the end of your movie. At the end of the actual movie, he starts singing That's Life, which is the theme of the Murray Franklin show. And I thought that was close enough to give you two points. Okay, wow. That is very generous. That's very close. And I was like, that's... Who would have called that? So I'll give you two points for that. So me and my stupid mouth interrupt at this point and I sort of veer you off the wrong track because I say, oh, well, what if he tells him something like, be who you want to be and inspires him to be Batman? And you're like, I agree with that, Matty D. You should never listen to me ever because that never happened. It was very poetic for the movie. I pat myself on the back. And how well do you think you did overall there? Uh, From the sound of it, okay. Mm. Okay. Surprisingly so. 48 Holy shit. points. Now I added another half. almost 10 more than you. Uh, So it's actually 49. 49 points, so it was 10 more than you did. Yes. Now, I was generous. I hope you saw how generous I was. Well, I was generous too. But there was a lot there that when I broke it down actually surprised me. I was like, oh. Yeah. Definitely. Wow. We both did a good job. Getting a vibe of, I think we're both very nice to each other because we did poorly. I think that's that's more of the case. But I think you captured- Neither of us nailed this movie. We were never going to get this movie right. I think out of the two of us, you really nailed the vibe of the movie. I kind of I kind of went a little bit crazy towards the end, but it's very subtle and very downplayed. The Joker never does anything too crazy. I mean, he does, but he doesn't blow up any buildings or anything like that. So, no. I think you deserve to be- I think you're expecting more of the Joker from like the Christopher Nolan movies or maybe even Tim Burton's Joker. I thought it was going to be like a slow burn and then a build up. Right. Which okay. I guess it was. Yeah. Yeah. But not quite on the uh, same yeah. level as I think you were expecting or a lot of other people were expecting. And I'm so happy to be go. wrong. There you go. So yeah, I think overall the the messages that we got from this is that neither you or I are very sad that we didn't nail this movie because it no. just means that the movie is better for it. We had a good time watching it because it wasn't predictable. I don't think anybody predicted what was going to happen in this movie, to be honest, as we discussed already. Certainly our audience didn't. And so I think, yeah, overall... I feel happier at the end of the day that <laughs> neither you or I nailed it. And yeah, that we had an enjoyable experience we in did, the cinema. Did. Should we talk about Carl's prediction? We had a... Yes, that's right. So We had a listener, a friend of ours. Yes, uh, wrote, wrote in because he was a big Joker fan. And yeah, he was very similar. I don't remember all of the points that he had. I remember he one of his big predictions was like, I think the child who the Joker sticks to his thumbs into his mouth is going to be young Bruce Wayne. Which it was. He made out like it was a huge call, but we already knew that going I in. I think it was early on. We didn't know that. No. Until we recorded the episode. Yeah, it was confirmed only recently before we started recording. Now, he also predicted that the Joker would have laughing gas that he uses to kill the audience of the Murray Franklin show with. He does kill Murray Franklin. That's right. And he also predicted that the Joker would be an introvert, painfully shy, similar to in my plot, which he actually is in the movie. He got a lot of points. and But as I said, he sort of was thinking along the same lines as you at the end of the day, because Mm -hmm. he was obviously inspired by the killing joke as well. Yeah. And obviously the Joker from previous Batman movies. So, yeah. Uh, overall, an admiral job, but yeah, I can't remember it well enough to break it all down, but those were the memorable points for me. I just got to say, I, I enjoyed this movie. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people did. It was up for Best Picture. Yeah, and I, you know, everybody, as I said earlier, everyone seems to have a reaction to it. I remember when I watched it, I walked out feeling like depressed. Yeah. But like it was kind of a good Yeah, that's right. Good feeling. I, I think we were more so relieved. We were worried that the movie wouldn't be good. Because remember in the original episode, I said that the movie has a lot of potential yeah. to be really good, but at the same time has a lot of potential to be really wanky and fall on its ass yeah. and be a complete failure. I was really relieved that I enjoyed the movie because it could have been awful. It could have been really awful. And I suppose some people might have thought differently to me and thought that it actually was awful, yeah. wasn't what they wanted from the movie. But me personally, it was exactly what I wanted. Uh, I was saying to Maddie D the other day when we were watching it, I think the movie could have been better, to be honest, if it was just a little bit more, if they gave us a little you bit more. You didn't like all the other actors. That's you right, thought, yeah. You thought there was a lot of flat performances. That's right. Which yeah. I don't agree with you, but I can see what you're saying. Yeah, okay, yeah, but that's 100%. just me. Yeah. That's me. I feel like the movie would be a fantastic movie. It would be more like a Scorsese movie proper if there are more big characters in it. But I suppose the whole point of the movie is that the Joker is supposed to be the biggest character in the movie. He's yeah. the one giving the performance and everyone else is sort of like cold and uncaring. Yeah. So there's not a lot of room for, you know, other big capital C characters in it. Absolutely. And I found it interesting because, like, I know my brother, who's 18, watched this movie, loved mm-hmm. it. And my mother watched this movie and loved it. And really? Two different generations, two different styles of movies that they enjoy, but got different things out of it. So I don't know. I, re- I really put this very high for 2019. Yeah, me too. I think when we get to our 100th episode, we're going to do like a ranking of what we think is the best and worst of 2019, even though it'll be almost 2021 at that point. <laughs> but I think we're really going to do like a comprehensive yeah. go back over of all the movies that we covered in 2019 and say which ones we thought were the best and which ones we thought were the worst. But, you know, save that for five episodes from now. But let's get into talking about what we're going to be discussing next week. Want to hear another joke, Kieran? Oh, I do. What do you? No, get? I think I've had enough of your jokes, Matty D. To be what honest. do you get when you get two people coming across to America? Uh, you get coming to America, which is going to be our next show. Coming to America hasn't that movie come out already? Didn't two? That come out? Did, oh, okay. So it's a sequel to Coming to America. We're doing the sequel to Coming to America. Coming to America <laughs> is actually what it's called. Is it really? Yes. <laughs> so I think the original movie came out. Was it either in the late eighties or early nineties? I've never actually seen it, so I don't know too I have. much about it. Have you, oh, not you seen have? it? So I know that it stars Eddie Murphy and I think Asenio Hall. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's about them coming to America from Africa, is it? Yeah, he's African royalty. He's a royal, yeah, he's from royalty. He's a prince. And he does shenanigans, presumably enough. I'm going to have to watch the movie now, aren't I? Oh, there's a lot of fish out of water comedy. Oh boy, my favourite kind. (laughs) But hey, at least we get to talk Eddie Murphy for the first time. Yes, we do. Which we've never done on this show before. (laughs) So I'm very excited to do that. So if you're a fan of coming to America. The original or the new one, maybe. Or you have any ideas, anything you want to see in the movie, anything that you think is going to happen, let us know. Oh, comedy movies are so hard to predict. Oh, tell me about it. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. So please let us know. Send us in what you think is going to happen in the sequel to Coming to America, known as Coming to America. We're on uh, email. Yeah. Send us an email at potentialspoilerspod at gmail.com. Hunt us down on Facebook, as Maddie D just said. Otherwise, we're on Twitter, Instagram. Just leave us a comment on this episode's page on the Podbean site. Yeah. If you're not into social media. Yeah. And let us know what you think is going to happen in Coming to America. Mm -hmm. How exciting. Something I know nothing about. It may be my new favourite movie that original one who knows I'll be able to talk all about it next week knowing nothing at all about the movie currently I'm I'm really interested to hear what you have to say what your opinion is yeah I'll I'll tell you next week I'm always wrong with guessing what your reaction is yeah so I don't even have an opinion at this point just hold off until I see the movie we'll see we'll see anyway so until we're back next week to come to America with Eddie Murphy we'll catch you next week see ya then Oh, God. My Joker performance? <laughs> Wanna know how I got these scars? Well, I'm the Joker, baby. That's <laughs> <laughs> not what he says in the movie at all. Hello, you. <laughs> I'm the Joker, baby. She's not strapped in. She could run. God, man. High school drama club is really like... I never had high the school pitfall drama of club. humanity, isn't I've never, it? I never had like a club like this. I never got to do shit like this. I would have totally been all about it, man. You never had a drama club in no. high school? I would have probably been in Joker's position right now. You would have been like, I'm the Joker, baby. 